But it might be a bit overkill for you, Curtis, on your your use of such thing as overkill (laughs) when it comes when it comes to backup. There's no such thing as too fast or too awesome. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All Podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my vicarious brisket analyzer, Prasada Maliante. How's it going, Prasada? I'm good, Curtis. You know, I still have never had your brisket. I know. That's why you're my, very, my vicarious brisket analyzer. I know. I have to come down one day and try out this world-famous brisket. I'm That's- telling you. I'm telling you. It's the best brisket in San Diego anyway. I don't know. You know, I'm not going to put it up against, you know, that big old state over there. Yeah. Where I have. Oh, really that's like that's right. Because you did go to a barbecue place, right? I went not... to like over a dozen. Remember? No, no. Sorry. In San Diego. Didn't you recently oh, go? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I definitely put it up against any any barbecue yeah. I've seen in San Diego. Um, yeah. And uh, but not against. um. I think it's better than some of the barbecue we had in in Texas, Texas. but not as good as most of it. Yeah. Right. So, but it's it's a labor of love, persona. You know, <laughs> it's um, and you know, the other thing is the the thing with brisket is that you know each brisket comes from a different cow, right? Yeah. And so it it's it's hard to get the quality control or the consistency. Well, it, yeah, it, consistency is really hard because you yeah. don't know. You know, you have this piece of meat in your hand and it weighs 15 pounds. And you're like, what exactly is this thing going to be when it's done? You know? I, I think brisket making might be the only one, though, where like you're experimenting, right? A lot of other foods you experiment, you try like small batches. Yeah. And then if it, and then you yeah, see you how can't. it tastes. Yeah, you can't yeah. really do that with brisket. So it's like, yeah, if it's yeah. good or great, right? Either way, you're eating 15 pounds. And brisket <laughs> used to be the cheap cut of meat, right? It used to be like $2 a pound until the world, like me, I'm the reason, yeah. you know, discovered brisket. And now it's, you know, 4 or $5 a pound. And so you're you're paying $60 for, you know, um, yeah. 12, a 13 meat. pound brisket, yeah. right? Uh, and then you just pray you don't ruin it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, yeah, that's the big challenge, right? It's like, uh so I have a question for you. Do you do pulled yeah. pork? I also do pulled pork. It's do funny. Ha- pulled pork cooks very much like brisket. Mm. Do you have the you giant claws? Do, do, I do have the giant claws. I, I was bear, actually. Bear claws. Yeah. yeah. I was looking online randomly and I ran across like best barbecuing gifts. And one of them was like these giant steel claws that people use. It looks like yeah. Wolverine. Literally. Yeah, it looks like Wolverine. <laughs> and you just rip apart. The, but honestly, if you cook the pork, you know, good enough. The claws that. aren't that necessary. But, they just look awesome. Um, they just, yeah, they just, they do just look <laughs> awesome. My, mine are not metal though. Mine are steel. But mm. you know, um, I'm starting to get hungry. We should stop. We should stop talking about meat. <laughs> we should stop talking about meat and start talking about technology. Um, I, I wanted to throw out our usual disclaimer. Persona and I work for different companies. He works for Zoom. I work for Druva. Uh, the opinions that you hear are ours. And also, please rate this podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And also, 
we are giving away a copy, a free ebook copy of my book, Modern Data Protection, courtesy of O'Reilly and Associates. All you have to do to be eligible is subscribe to our newsletter over on backupcentral.com. And then each week I will pick my, uh, we'll pick one winner from the new subscriber. So you could be that person. So just subscribe and I will magically find you. So, and it's an awesome book, by the way. So everyone should read it. I think it's pretty good. Uh, speaking of, speaking of O'Reilly books, we have another O'Reilly author. I always love when we have O'Reilly authors. It's a small club. He's been in the IT industry over 20 years and is now a senior support engineer over at Percona. He is a co-author of the book, Learning My Sequel, second edition, published by O'Reilly and Associates. Welcome to the podcast, Vini Gripa. Thanks, Kurt and Pasana. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy with the invite. Always excited to have uh, uh, O'Reilly authors. It's a pity that your your uh, co-author, Sergei Kuzmichev, was unable to join us. We will uh, possibly catch him another time. You get our attention all to yourself, I hope. You get all the questions. <laughs> Great. It's good and bad. Huh? So your, the book is about MySQL. Uh, you work for a company that does multiple uh, databases or specializes in multiple databases. Well, which ones do you are you familiar with? Okay, yes. Uh, Percona works with open source software. And basically, we support MySQL, MongoDB, and more recent, more recent two years ago, Postgres. Uh, my main field of uh, support is MySQL uh, first and MongoDB as well. So a little bit like your um, Portuguese and Italian? Yeah, <laughs> half and a half, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> But in this case, I prefer more MySQL than MongoDB, but this is a personal choice, you know. (laughs) But these are all open source. So I guess one question would be, like, couldn't anyone just pick it up and start using it? Like, what do you sort of provide to customers or users trying to figure out how to use uh, MySQL or uh, MongoDB? First, when when we talk about Percona, the, the software, the, the binaries that you provide are 100% open source, which means that Curtis or you can uh, install it on your company, use for any database size, how many users, whatever you want. Uh, the way we, we make money, it's basically like a bit like Head Hat. We offer the services like support, consulting behind it, and that's how we make the uh, this profitable. Uh, MongoDB had an issue uh, recently, like three or four years ago. They migrated from open from open source license and went to SSPL, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, it's not open source basically. Yeah. Like you, yeah. How how did that affect your company's relationship with it? At this moment, not much, uh, because we are still like the only thing is that uh, the recent version of MongoDB is for five point point oh, and mm-hmm. this is already with SS uh, with this SSPL license. So when we produce our binaries, uh, our license it's also different. We can't make their software open, open source. source. You know? <laughs> right, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. Right. Gotcha. And and so I guess with a lot of 
what open source gives you, right? It gives you all the tools, but you're kind of on your own to figure everything out. And I guess that's what like you and yeah. Percona provide is sort of that guidance, that assistance and like, hey, here are really the best ways to do things. Yeah, yes, correct. Uh, as you guys saw, like MySQL exists for decades and most of people that start developing will use a database, PHP, PHP admin, will use a MySQL instance to do their tests. So it's right. pretty widespread. In my experience of building Backup Central, I've been at a couple of different hosting providers. All of them sort of default to when you're building your your web server and you're putting a, a database that MySQL is that default database behind, I think, yeah. a ton of websites. Would is that yes. match your yeah. experience as well? Yeah. If you get, for example, WordPress, uh, mm -hmm. all the database is built over MySQL. WordPress right. is huge. So right. this and, is and that, Yeah. And yeah. I do, I do use WordPress as well. Yeah. I would think that a lot of MySQL databases are relatively small, like mine, right? Um, that's measured in the megabytes. Does the need for services like yours become greater, at, mainly only as the database gets larger, or is there still lots of work that could be done with smaller databases? Uh, there are work that could be done with smaller database, but I would not consider, I would not recommend for you to hire uh, my consulting or support because <laughs> like, uh, yeah, truth to be said, like the database, because it's small, we have large servers nowadays, most like of our laptops has 32 gigs of memory. So the entire database is in memory. So even if it's badly optimized, like it still runs relatively fast. Right. So what kinds of things when you're dealing with a, a customer who's using, I'm assuming a larger database, what kinds of things are you doing to optimize? Is it mainly performance? And Yeah, we, we I deal with uh, a lot of uh, issues not, uh, during the days. Since from performance, crashes, even configuration, uh, query analysis, these are the four ones that I can think at the moment. And while the database grows, like MySQL relies a lot on on Linux settings as well. So we, op we optimize the Linux uh, side. Uh, based on your workload, we can give you like how much uh, cache you need for MySQL, which is the buffer pool how to if you are like if you have a lot of write uh, queries how to uh, prepare your database to receive all this volume and from crash analysis like we can we try to reproduce bugs or create new ones and in Percon itself we have developers that provides the patch and fix it i guess it's easy to just get started but as you start to grow and scale and get sort of more demands placed on these databases it's almost like you need a phd and not everyone has time for going and learning i guess yeah yeah, yeah. i think this is what happens the most uh, like you get startups nowadays their core business is not tech so like they they try to outsource everything and like they they don't want to hire an entire team for IT and, right. and that's when we, we jump in. I could very easily wax uh, philosophical and I, and I might for just a moment. One thing I read about recently is this trend of 
well, we don't want to have an IT department to which I just want to say, well, then don't have IT because the cloud is not magic, right? The cloud definitely solves some problems that a traditional IT environment has. But even if you go 100% SaaS and, you know, I work at Druva, we are SaaS. I'm a fan of SaaS. I, I, I have lots of SaaS uh, services. We're using a SaaS service right now to record this podcast. Even when Prasanna and I were in the same city a few weeks ago, we were recording the podcast over a SaaS service, <laughs> even though we could have actually met and used a recording device. We just went to a website. I love SaaS, but SaaS does not remove all need for IT, right? Um, yeah. and, and, and the same, and, and especially when we start to get to things like databases, it's fine when you got a 20 megabyte database behind a non-critical website. Like, yeah. 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 Like Backup Central. But when you have a company, company has functions. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, this idea, the, this idea of an IT-less company, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's like, fine. you know what it's it, like? It's like the same what? as like the, when they talk about AI will be writing code. Yeah. Um, well, I, I've, I've read the stories that AI has been writing. Um, and I, if the code is anything like the stories that I've been hearing, uh, but, but so, so what happens is, and again, you're, you're, you're probably Vini, you're probably saying, Oh, this is fine to me. What happens is they don't have anybody that knows anything about MySQL, yeah. And so they have to hire you to come in to do e perhaps even some of the most basic things, but they yeah. definitely need the more advanced things. Anyway, I'll, yeah. I'll step down off my soapbox. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. Uh, I agree with you. And like we, uh, because I, I read a lot about the tech industry, we see this happening a lot now, it, which is data breaches. And mm -hmm. if you get MongoDB, for example, a couple of years ago, the database was initialized without authentication. And most of these databases were exposed to the internet. You just simply needed to find the IP in the port and you had all the access to the data. I, is, that, is there a problem with that? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, unless you are open sourcing or you are sharing what you are doing. <laughs> yeah. Goodness gracious. I, I, I can think of all sorts of examples, right? Like I think of like um, S3, for example. It, it's a great service, but when it first came out, the default configuration of, of an S3 bucket was wide open as well, right? Okay. Um, and so a lot of people who didn't understand basic concepts of IT created open buckets and and then they got discovered and they gave away company secrets, right? Now, okay. now thankfully, AWS has made it really, really hard to make an open bucket. It, they have, but it still happens more often than no. Anything. I know it happens, but you have to kind of go <laughs> yeah. out of your way yeah. Yeah. to do it. Um, you know, it's sort of like the, it's the equivalent of like again giving away my Unix roots, but you know, Chamad seven seven seven. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yep. Following up on this conversation, right? So we kind of said that companies need some level of IT still, right? It's not going to be mm -hmm. IT less, right? Yeah. You need some level of database expertise. And mm -hmm. so I guess, what is your book about? That is a, a good question. Actually, uh, 
The book is ent uh, entitled Learning MySQL. It's the second edition. Uh, so we tried in this book uh, not only to give what you see on Udemy courses or all this stuff, how to start, how to install. We provide every steps for you to install a database, make it secure. What else? Like to design the database in an a optimal way so your queries would run fast. And more to the middle and end of the book, we talk about monitoring, backups, uh, tuning a device, which is like everything that uh, from all those years that we've been working on, we gather this experience and we put on the book. So like if you are facing an issue on your daily activities, the book is a reference for you. Gotcha. And, and I think I saw... Curtis's heart flutter when you mentioned backup. I'm sure we will get to that later in this discussion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, is, it is my favorite topic, you know, what, what can yeah. I say? So when you first come to a new customer, um, mm -hmm. is it usually, I'm guessing it's either performance concerns or integrity concerns, like security and things like that. Are there other reasons that they call you? Uh, mostly these two. Uh, and also seeking for advice. I would like to have high availability in my database. How do I do all this uh, uh, project part? So resiliency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on this aspect of uh, performance, uh, most customers come with performance issues or they are okay. facing a crash. Like the database is, is dying for some reason. Oh, really? Like, uh, like on a regular basis, it just crashes? Because uh, at Percona, we work with, like, uh, uh, since from the small databases, megabytes of data to terabytes uh -huh. of high concurrence workloads, we face a lot of uh, issues. Like, not much nowadays, but if for you to have an idea, when MySQL 8 was released, the first five minor versions, so... 801 and 2805 were like a nightmare. They were crashing, they had mm. performance issues, so it was a tough time. What did they say? Never take the first major release of something unless you Correct. want to be the guinea pig? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I've always been that person. I, I struggle with that these days because you get so many, you know, you, you get a company like, like Apple saying, you need to upgrade your you know, your iOS software right now, because there's yeah. this massive, you know, security vulnerability. And I hate doing that because of exactly what you just described but at the same time, the other side of me says, well, gee, I don't yeah. want, you know, I don't want to be hacked either. Yeah. By the way, we're recording this. Yeah. Hopefully this will be published after this is all hopefully resolved, but we're published. We're recording this in the midst of what will be known as the log for J disaster. Yes. <laughs> have you have you had uh, queries um around that as well yes actually like we received the uh, avalanche of requests about oh, log for j what do i do like uh, we saw a lot of panic and uh, our first reaction was checking our softwares but neither mysql or mongodb or postgres none of them use log for j so when we talk about database specifics, you are uh, protected. However, there are certain drivers that you use to connect the databases, like the mm -hmm. Java driver, 
the ODIM. Yeah. That will use Log4j. So, uh, of course, this is on the application side, but we try to say, look, uh, the database is okay, but there are buts. Uh, you need right. to check other things around you. So, at this point, what do we know? Like, what can you do if you know that Log4j is is being used in your system? Every time that the CVE, uh, the, the bug report, is published, uh, it, it is only published after you have a fixed uh, version. So the advice now is upgrade to, uh, I don't remember the exact version, sorry, but upgrade to the latest, which it's right. a couple of days ago, and of you would be okay. Yeah, for well, Log4j. That's it. All you've got to do is yeah. upgrade Log4j, and you're good. Yes. Um. So that seems like a relative tip. So the only problem then is where is log for J? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, exactly. like where is Waldo, right? <laughs> um, where, you know, just making sure either one, you're not using Java at all. Right. Yeah. And if you are, it's a simple matter of upgrading log for J. And I think it also becomes challenging when people are using open source software Mm-hmm. because a lot of developers, right? They're like, oh, I need to piece together a solution or they might be using different open source packages and they may not know exactly what those open source packages are using, which complicates the matter of, like you said, Curtis, yeah, just find where you're running log4j. That might be a little difficult though, right? When you start using other open source packages. But but if, if the fix is as simple as just upgrading log4j, I mean, that's just a package that could be... It, I, maybe I'm looking at this too simplistically, but if I have a hundred Linux servers, it doesn't matter what they're doing. Go quickly, you know, do the process of upgrading Log4j right now. Who cares what we're doing with it? Is that yeah? Is that a too simplistic of a fix? I'm not a security expert expert either, but. Uh, as you said, uh, from what I saw about the customers reporting and other people that I spoke about this issue, uh, it's exactly what you said. How we find out what and which thing is used in Log4j. Like, and as uh, the developer can, ah, I'm going to use the logging library, Log4j, for this. And maybe sometimes it's not even documented. So... Uh, for large enterprise companies, like uh, you have the whole IT process that you need to request the change, go through executive board and everything. Right. It is not something that ha- happens fast, you know. There are big elephants to move. Yeah, I, I just, um, I, I, again, my opinion, but that's what I would do, right? You know, I, I understand the need for change control. Um, but you know, you know, doing a, doing a, um, yeah, yeah. Security (laughs) issues. Um, and, and I also understand, right. Basically I would, I would grant like, you know, comparing this to COVID, I would grant an emergency use authorization to, to upgrade, uh, log for J, um, to anyway. Um, it's like what we've seen in the past, right. When you look at Kaseya and the attack that they had, or right. if you even go back three or four years when there were the Spectre and Meltdown bugs with Intel processors, right? Everyone sort of was like, hey, we have to patch this now. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it sounds really, Scary. really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So one of the chapters in your book you mentioned was around performance. 
Mm-hmm. For non-database people, <laughs> which I will claim I am a non-database person, right? I pretend to be a database. Yeah. <laughs> he plays one on TV. <laughs> but um, isn't performance just a matter of throw more disk, throw more CPU, throw more memory at the problem? Wouldn't that just solve all my performance issues? Or are databases a more complex beast that requires more fine <laughs> Okay, thanks. Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, it's both, uh, actually. Like, of course, if you st- if you throw resources on it, more memory, more disk, and more more CPUs, things will run faster. Uh, if your application is bad designed or MySQL is not optimized, like uh, throwing resources, like uh, the performance increases in a linear way while the problems is exponential. So <laughs> it, it will get a point where the things will not, uh, adding resources won't solve anymore. And as I said, like MySQL comes with basic settings for really small database. And we saw customers using like one terabyte of databases that they, like he could add more resources, but he would spend more money into it, mm-hmm. especially when we talk about cloud. Each IOPS costs something for you. Right. Mm, yeah. That's a good so, point. Right. Yeah. And and that's where we come in. Like sometimes there are simple things that we help tuning the database, like uh, the file system, you are using an old uh, file system, let's say, I don't know, X2, uh, move to something more new or increase the cache of the database, split the disks. Uh, there is a lot of things that you can do more with the same cost. That's what, our objective. What's your favorite file system to run MySQL on? Uh, I prefer XFS because uh, I think it supports when we uh, or X4 or XFS. But when you put a really a high concurrent workload, XFS has a slightly better performance. And also because MongoDB recommends XFS, so it's easier for me to have only one in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Simple is good. Simple is always good. Yeah. Changing the infrastructure a little bit. I like that, right? Because that's, I mean, it, that's not a non-invasive change, but it's a relatively simple change, right? We had a, a SQL Server expert on Denny Cherry. Persona, you are, you're always good at the episode numbers. What? What episode was that? <laughs> it was episode number 130. Mr. Backup and Mr. SQL argue over how to backup SQL Server. <laughs> yeah, we, we did get into some discussions there. <laughs> and, and one of the things he talked about was indexes. Uh, how, how important is that in MySQL from a performance standpoint? Uh, it is very important, but like there is that old phrase that the difference between the remedy and the poison is the amount that you are using. And uh, it's the same for index. If you create indexes for everything, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have a lot of problems because imagine the database, how it works. When you insert a row on it, like uh, an information there, and you have 10 indexes, you need to update all the 10 indexes. So every insertion is uh, creating 10 writes. And then you explode these for, I saw database with uh, tables with 100 indexes. So, uh, most of them redundant, which doesn't make sense. So a little bit is good, too much is worse, yes. it sounds like. Yes, Interesting. Correct. You talked about changing the underlying file system. What For you, what would be number two after 
changing the underlying file system from a performance standpoint? Uh, from the performance standpoint, for MySQL, I would elect two parameters of MySQL, which is the mm -hmm. inodb buffer pool size and the inodb log file size. The inodb buffer pool size is, is responsible to say, uh, okay, I have 100 gigs of RAM, how much memory I want to make as cache, as cache. Uh, and Usually we say 70, 80%, unless we are, we are talking about much more memory than this. So in this way, you try to make better use of the resource that you already have. Because if you use the default value, if I'm not mistaken, it's 256 megabytes. Okay. So it's little, it's right. almost no, nothing. Uh, and... When we talk about inodb log file size, this has a direct impact on writing performance, inserts, updates, and deletes. So uh, we, what we usually do, we measure uh, your workflow during one hour and we estimate like oh, for one hour of your, of your workload, you need to have this size. Otherwise you are going to suffer because like the file is too small and uh, uh, you need to write and wait because it's a circular file. So the, uh, the head is trying to catch the tail of the file and it's too small. And that's where the contention happens. And for the person who has never touched MySQL before, what is InnoDB? So MySQL itself uh, is, if you think it's a, a casket, uh, which has... Uh, several engines running into it. Uh, when MySQL was released on early back then, in 501, for example, the default storage engine was MyIsen. And a lot of people knows it nowadays, and we saw some people using it. Is, uh, is that how, did, did, did people pronounce it as a word? My, 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 I, I, I always said like ISAM. Yeah, because people the, pronounce the full, it as the word my eyes. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because okay. the full right. name of the engine is my eyes. My yeah, uh, eyes. yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, I I never pronounced it as a word, uh, as a word yeah. but um, so that was the engine of the. And this is a table type, right? Or is this a what do you? Uh, it's how uh, the database stores the data and right. reads it. So my eyes. Uh, Nowadays, all databases, at least most popular ones, they are uh, transactional. Right. Uh, they, they, they support people reading and writing at the same time and guaranteeing consistency. The famous uh, ACID properties. Right, right. Uh, uh, and MyEisen does not have this, uh, uh, this property. So when you are writing to it and you need to read at the same time, the read will wait because the things happens at the global level, at the table level. And so so when, it would still have the acid properties, it's just poor performance, I guess. Uh, it's both, because, uh, for example, um, there are like some what we call isolation levels, like repeatable read, uh, read committed and serializable that applies for certain business uh, requirements where uh, if you try to read something at uh, let's say at this exactly moment you want to read the data now 
not the data in two minutes, which mm-hmm. will which may have a different value. And one one important thing is my eyes on when the the server crashes or my SQL crashes. It's a known uh, does not have a crashing recovery. Like you really lose data when if you were writing something, it's Oof, gone. That does not sound yeah, great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they moved away from that uh, I know Curt- Yeah. Curtis quietly checking uh, whether or not he's using my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, this change happened years ago. So everyone that's using database nowadays, in particular RDS, none of them. Uh, are using these anymore um, as a uh, main engine. It's HinoDB. And HinoDB has crash and recovery properties. It supports the MVCC, uh, which is the multi-version concurrence control that Postgres and Mongo, Mongo has, but it's a bit different, uh, which means that I can read data, you can update it, and you uh, other people can update, and no one will see each other. Like we will guarantee consistency and isolation for every transaction, plus crash and recovery. Uh, the Hadoop log, the inodb log file size, it's rep- responsible for crash and recovery. For mm-hmm. server crashes, uh, the inodb will recover to a healthy state. So, so to go back to the original question, uh, you know, inodb is a, a different engine than MyISM, but there's like three others. Right. Yeah, yeah. There, there are a couple of ones that are not so famous. Um, we have actually in memory, uh, which is basically the the table only in, in cache. So if you restart the database, you lose data. Uh, there are some use cases for it. There is an engine called Black Hole, where you write on it and the data is not recorded. We use it for performance testing. <laughs> uh, and more recently, like if you get the MariaDB version, like MariaDB implemented uh, an engine type, I, I forgot it, where uh, if you want to archive this table, you create a kind of, the table is stored directly in the S3 bucket. So it's a, a kind of archiving inside MariaDB. Interesting. Yeah. So for the record, uh, I'm currently looking at PHP my admin for uh, my website. And WordPress has some of their tables in my some format. I don't. I don't think I can even change that. Uh, I'm, I'm not now. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it looks sh- like it's like things like um, it's probably like, like the comments. Exam- yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. You know, why would they choose my some for certain tables but not others? Yeah, that, right? that's the problem of legacy. You know. <laughs> mm. It could also be around like comments, for instance. Maybe they don't want that notion of people being able to read while a write yeah. is going through. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, what's this log4j table? What's that for? I'm kidding. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. Let's get on to the to the real topic. I want to talk about backing up MySQL and restoring it. And I also want to talk about your thoughts on doing the same thing for uh for mongo okay so yeah so what the way i back up my sequel because i have a very small database is i just do the dump and sweep right i i just run a nightly 
um, you know, SQL dump, MySQL dump uh, to a bunch of files that then gets backed up. But I, I know there are better ways to back up MySQL. Yes. Uh, and also in the book, we have a specific chapter, chapter to discuss backups and, and restore. Uh, and as you said, there are plenty of options. Uh, using MySQL dump or the logical dump, uh, it is good. Uh, it is fast for a small database. When we grow this, it takes a lot of time because it's uh, nowadays there are parallel processes, but it's a, a very slow process because you need to go through the entire data and export in SQL format. And then when you want to restore, you need to insert all this data again. This is what we call the logical dump. And the other ways, uh, and this varies depending on customer needs. We have a Percona Extra Backup, which is a physical copy of the database. Uh, so basically, we connect to the database, we copy at Linux level, and because we are connected to it, we gather the information of the things that are running, and, and the backup happens much faster. Uh, Another positive thing is like, for example, Kurtz, you mentioned, I do a backup daily, every night. So uh, there are customers that can't afford one day, uh, losing one day of data. And right. at this situation, it is better the extra backup because it allows you to do uh, incremental backups. So you can do, let's say, uh, a, f a backup full each week and every hour you do an incremental one. So you have, if something worst case scenario, you lose one hour of data. So I'm, I'm looking at your documentation. It does say it's open source. Is, mm -hmm. is this available for anyone or just for Percona customers? No, it works for, it's open source. So you are free to use and it works with MySQL community, MySQL enterprise, the Percona MySQL, and in the past, worked with MariaDB. Uh, MariaDB now, like, really took another path in the okay. development. Yeah. And nowadays, they created the Maria backup, which is a fork of extra backup, but it has some particularity, particularities that uh, are different. Like, the tools won't work. If I run Maria backup on, on MySQL won't work and vice versa. For the backups that you're doing, I know you talked about incremental and all the rest. Could you talk a little bit about like what types of restores you see and sort of, because I'm sure there are so many different restore operations. I'm more familiar with the Oracle side of things, having played a former Oracle backup person on tv <laughs> um but just curious around like are the same sort of capabilities available on the mysql side as well uh yes there are a few options to restore the database but of course it depends how it was backed up like if you took a dump as Kurtz did you can't use extra backup too because it's different types of backups uh with MySQL 8, for example, uh, MySQL 8 introduced a new MySQL shell, which has a lot of utilities in it, like um, there are JavaScript support and shell support, and 
talking about backups, there are utilities that can backup at table level and database level. And it uses a kind of a hybrid logical and physical backup, which makes things run really fast and very friendly for the user. Uh, but again, like if you're using this method, you need to use the same tools to restore, restore. it. Yeah, yeah right. th that's how it works. Uh, but nowadays, there are a, a lot of options. Like in most, when we talk about physical backups, even logical backups nowadays, there is uh, my dumper and my loader, which are open source, pro which is open source project, which allows you to take dumps in parallel of multiple tables at the same time. So things uh, evolved a lot speed. recently. So it creates it, that creates a higher speed backup. Is that what it does? Yes, because imagine that your server has thirty CPUs and you have thirty tables. If you can specify, like, please open thirty threads and copy all the tables at the same time for me, while my SQL dump would be in sequential. Zero. Yeah, yeah, zero. That's that sounds awesome. Yeah, you should test it. <laughs> It's open source. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it might be a bit overkill for you, Curtis, on your, your use of such thing as overkill. <laughs> when, it comes, when it comes to backup, there's yeah. no such thing as too yeah. fast or too awesome. Uh, 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 more power. It, what? I don't know. I just go back to a discussion you had around tape drives and how they got too fast. Okay, okay, or... okay. When, <laughs> when backing up today, <laughs> yeah. there's no such thing as too fast or too awesome. Yes, yes. When we talk about tape, you need to match the performance and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so do, do most people, when they're restoring, uh, are, are they restoring the whole database or are they using these um, these uh, table restore features that you talked about? Uh, it depends. We already got some desperate customers where they said, the developer had access to production. I don't know what happened. He dropped my table. <sighs> Oh, no. <laughs> so, or ah, he he ran a delete without where. Like this, this is the famous stories that you will see. You ran a delete without what? Uh, you run a delete command without the where condition, where you specify oh, a delete. The where. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> delete. Yeah. Instead of delete where, he just said delete, and then yeah. he just wiped. Ow. Yeah. <laughs> And and so yeah. in that case, they might do a table level restore, is what you're saying. Yeah, and uh, that's why, and, and it's usually why you try to seek for professional advice because if you have your database well configured, MySQL well configured, you have what we call binary logs, which is for those who use Oracle, it's the archives, the log mm -hmm. archives mm -hmm. is the same. And if you drop the table, what you can do, like you can do a, a restore, apply these binary logs until exactly before the drop. And then okay. you continue going. Okay. Or you remove that line and apply everything. So that way you don't have refer referential integrity issues with that table versus the other. You table. might have. You might have. You still like, might have. Yes. Like, because, because depending on what happened in yeah. that time after, right? Yeah, correct. Um, so, so, so that's a risk that somebody does of a table level restore, um, yeah. and so th the 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 what's the the reward would have to outweigh the risk. 
right? So I, yeah. I can do a I can do a a table level restore in thirty seconds, whereas the entire database it's going to take me a few hours. Yes, you know, so it, that's yeah. that's a decision that that you would have to make. And it's an important thing to mention, like it's about uh, what you are restoring, how how much quality there is in it. Like, uh, as you said, there is a referential integrity with other tables. So are we going to restore this single table or we need to restore everyone that's connected? Hmm. So like, uh, it, it really depends on the kind of your business and what you, what you exactly did. You know, what would be really nice in that, moment is to have sort of undo logs if i could uh, you know i want to restore this table to five minutes ago and i want to roll all tables back to five minutes ago right i know there is the concept of undo in a database but it's mainly about crash consistency and things like that They, they, they don't have this concept of just rolling back five minutes no my sequel does not have but Oracle has it. It's the flashback feature. Of course. Oh, that's right. Every flashback. feature yeah. in Oracle has a price. Like, it's not cheap, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. it costs one million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I, um, I want to talk about Mongo uh, because it's it's a lot more complicated beast. Yeah. So one of the things when I talk to Mongo people and, and to other similar high, uh, what would you call that? High consistency, uh, scale out type databases, um, is how to, first off, sometimes the problem is convincing them that they need backup because they think they have all this availability, right? It's like, okay, availability is not the same thing as recovery. Um, so that's problem number one. Problem number two is how to get a consistent backup across, a, you know, a many hundred node type database like that. So let's talk first, talk about the first one. Okay. Uh, as you said, like, um, just briefly explain for someone that doesn't know MongoDB. MongoDB is a distributed database. So it was born as a distributed system. Which means that, as you said, you can what we call shard sharding, which means yep. that you are going to split chunks of data in data into different servers, and each server or group of servers will hold a particular uh, data set. And as you said, uh, it's hard to synchronize everyone. Uh, MongoDB nowadays, uh, they have their Atlas cloud offering, uh, and they provide ways of back, uh, of do backups or sharded cluster. But we, as open source, we like to have open source tools. Uh, Percona developed uh, what we call Percona Backup for MongoDB, which allows you to run the backup, synchronize all the servers, and perform the backup for you. That's pretty awesome. Like, how do you actually do the synchronization? Just given the distributed nature of MongoDB and kind of like in my past, I know whenever I've looked at MongoDB, it's like getting to that consistent point is somewhat challenging unless you look at things like their equivalent of transaction logs that you're dumping out. Yeah. And you got to the point. (laughs) Uh, 
So MongoDB, in the past, it was like the same as MyEisen. Uh, it didn't have a lot of features. MongoDB used uh, map engines. And nowadays, it's the famous Wired Tiger. Wired Tiger? Yes. That's the name of their engine. I've heard that before. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All That's right. kind of so cool. Wired, they have wired creativity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With Wired Tiger, uh, uh, it was introduced not exactly a transactional stuff, but uh, Wired Tiger started using timestamp. So you can uh, basically say in, in very overall terms, start transaction at this point. So all the data that's going to be copied, it's at that exactly timestamp in all the servers. Even if you're reading ahead, yeah. you will read at exactly that at, at, at that transaction. And therefore you get a synchronous or a synchronized point across all your nodes. Yes. Because everyone is reading only up until that transaction number. Correct. And, and so you then use that to create what, like a view, a snapshot that you then back up? Okay. At this moment, uh, Percona backup is a logical backup, which means that we connect to Mongo and we literally say, uh, give me your data and then you, we store it in a compressed way, but still it's a bizon file, which is how Mongo stores data and how you, you backup. The tool offers... Uh, you can store in your uh, local file system or you can send to the S3 bucket or Google Cloud bucket. And to restore is the same. You were, uh, the two will connect and see, ah, uh, Kurtz has this backup of three hours ago. Uh, it's healthy, so I, I, like, I want to restore this one. And, and is this... I'm hoping that it's got incremental backups as part of it. Yes. Recently, it was introduced uh, incremental backup. Uh, uh, the equivalent of log files of MySQL in MongoDB is called OpLogs. It has the same... Okay. Yeah. The same objective. And okay. based on your requirements, you can backup and perform backups uh, incrementally. When you're recovering or doing your restore, are you taking the backups that you did and applying it to a specific node in that MongoDB cluster that failed? Or can it be across like any number of nodes? Or is that basically MongoDB dealing with that because this is a logical backup? Uh, it, as you said, it's MongoDB dealing with it. So MongoDB has two types of clusters, the replica set, where you have three or four or more servers holding exactly the same data, and sharded clusters where you have distributed data uh, for every server group of servers. When you are used, uh, restoring from a sharded cluster, you connect to the Mongo router, which is already included in the binaries. And then the router will decide, ah, this is, uh, information goes to server A, this B, C, and so on. It's it's a it's a much more complicated world than the uh, than the MySQL world for sure. So I know we talked about uh, performance, we talked about backups, right, and just kind of understand MySQL. Are there any other categories you think that people should be aware of, especially a newbie who doesn't know much about MySQL? Yes, uh, I would say monitoring. 
the reason is that uh, when when you are analyzing a database problem, you need to have the proper information from the time of the issue. Uh, if you come to me and say, look, uh, the incident happened one month ago and you don't have this data, I can't tell you what you need to do. And that's where monitoring comes in because then you can say like, ah, I can see that uh, you had a spike in the number of connections. Do you know if you changed something on your application because your connection pool grew or the network uh, was saturated, the disks were failing, whatever. So monitoring is important for these reasons. You and, can trace back the, the issues. And it's a lot of what you mentioned, the, the metrics, is that all built into MySQL as part of some mechanism they have to pull this data? Or is it various tools or their non-default settings that a customer has to enable to pull this information or to collect this information? Yeah. Uh, I don't want to sound as a sales speech, <laughs> this, but like the, there are monitoring tools, including Percona one, which is PMM, uh, but there is Datadog, Vivid Cortex, uh, uh, a, a lot of uh, monitoring tools around. And all of them, they use the same principle, which is collecting Linux metrics about CPU, memory, and disks, and MySQL metrics that MySQL provides to you. How many rows you are reading, uh, how many selects you are doing, deletes, uh, how many indexes you are using, all this stuff. There is like hundreds of, uh, of status that you can use and it's collected monitor it that's all i have to say <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah 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 well listen uh vinny i just want to say thank you obrigado grazie thanks for coming on the uh <laughs> i covered grazie did i cover all the languages there <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> so thank thanks for coming on the pleasure was mine, and thanks, guys, for an invite again. I hope that, that everyone uh, enjoys it. And if I was not clear in anything, in something, please uh, reach me out. I'm, I'm flexible. like I'm open to discuss and help. Absolutely. And, of course, the book is called Learning My Sequel, Second Edition from O'Reilly and Associates. And uh, thanks again uh, with your great questions, Prasanna. I try. I try. Thanks, Vinny. No, this was great learning about MySQL. And once again, thanks to the listeners. We'd be nothing without you. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. To pay your backup system isn't worth a spade. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space.
once it'll be completely done. Maybe 